This is a No Dapa podcast. I'm Brian Hogan, and this evening I'm joined by Clark Sell, founder of That Conference. Thank you very much for taking time out of your evening to join me, Clark. Thank you. Thank you for having me. To start off, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, please? Yeah, I uh, live here in the Midwest outside of uh, Chicago or happily in between Chicago and Milwaukee. I've been in software, making software web development stuff for 20-ish years. Um, I'm a founder of a conference called That Conference. I own a software shop, so kind of all over the place. Husband, dad. So as an entrepreneur, what do you do? Uh, Try to keep a company profitable. Um, I mean, we have two businesses, one's a software shop and the other's that conference. And, uh, we're very passionate about community and people and growing people on the conference. And on the other side, we're passionate about using software to, you know, enable businesses. And what is the, uh, the, the primary purpose of the company? Um, well, I guess, I guess from the conference perspective, it's about growing the development community. Uh, that's our. That's what we spend uh, every waking minute thinking about. How can we make it better? How can we uh, create exposure for folks? And um, how do we build a platform to help do that every day of the year while we kind of meet, you know, twice a year? You've used the word community a few times, and that is going to be a large part of what we talk about this evening. But what, what do you mean by community? That's a. That is a good question. I. I think um, I, you'll often hear me say the word tribe. Um, I think it is a, a collection of folks that um, find themselves, you know, liking something or have some similarity in that. Um, I don't think you as a, as a person are bound to necessarily one tribe or one community. I think you need, you need community as just kind of part of your life. So, you know, a generic definition, if you will, is, you know, a set of people who are passionate about, you know, a, a similar topic. And for me, the similar topic is, is software engineering. How do we get people who like to take, uh, you know, code and, and enable humans to do stuff with it. And you said it a couple of times, building community. What do you mean by building a community? Well, I, I think of that as uh, letting people know that there is a place for them. Um, you, have to, you have to be a, a vanguard, if you will, a uh, moderator, an example. And so when I think of, I don't think of community as something that's ever done. It is something that evolves. And sometimes people go in and out of it. Sometimes people... Um, stick around the whole time, but you know, as we as we grow as humans, as we age and become more knowledgeable, um, our interests change. Our you know the people we may hang out with or seek advice from change, and and so that's an evolving thing that that never really stops. And it's I see it as my job to create that exposure for people and and give them a place. And do you see community as limited to physically present in person, same place, same time, or is it something broader? Oh, it's definitely something broader. I think, I think one of the problems today is that we, we all too often try to create a, um, 
try to replicate certain experiences in other mediums that's not necessarily uh, appropriate. So when I think about, you know, people getting physically together, I think there are things that we can do when we're physically together that we couldn't necessarily do online. And one of those is just have a very dynamic conversation. You have a lot of um, visual cues. You have a lot of um, kind of acoustic space, if you will. And, and therefore, you kind of ebb and flow through conversations and, you know, you have physical touch and, um, you know, smells and all those senses that you have when you're together. When you're online, that's all a lot harder. But the thing that online gives you is scale, right? You can talk to thousands. You could, um, you can share screens. You can do things differently online than you could when you're in person. And so I don't think that the two... You know, I don't think you should try to replicate one necessarily in another space. Um, I guess a good example is the whole metaverse and us trying to replicate real life and, you know, some digital realm. But, uh, you know, I think the thing is respect the medium that you're on. And I think they all play a piece. You know, one day you're texting somebody and the next day you're having dinner with somebody. And, you know, the two are the two are still important. So if that's a community, then how do you build a community? Because it sounds like there's different types of community to build. Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't know that there's an answer to that in the sense that, you know, I don't think there's one right way to necessarily build a community. Um, if a community is based around topic, then the actions within that community should be, you know, such that um, they, I don't want to say reward those actions, but um, I, I think of involvement. I think of, uh, things like are, are people, do they feel safe to get involved? Do they, do they want to interact? You know, how much engagement is there? And I think people who are, um, the vanguards or the moderators of said community have a responsibility to make people feel welcome, to give them a place where they have a voice to, um, deal with, you know, call it the terms of service, if you will. Um, and making sure that, you know, the community represents the people in the way that they want it. So that's not something that you, you know, sign up a marketing plan and you do that stuff. That's just something that you need to be involved with day in and day out. And the people that are there, ultimately they are the community, not you. And so they have to have that same uh, or a similar belief system and, and want to be, um, involved as well. So I think it's an ongoing, you know, ever going process of um, curating things, moderating things. But I imagine at the start, though, it does require some central organization, if that's the right term, you know, someone with a vision and a drive before you get, say, a groundswell to support you. Uh, yeah. And as somebody who's been doing it for, you know, in this for 12 years, I'd say that that really never goes away. You know, as people come in and come out, um, everybody's learning and everybody's evolving. And, and there always has to be um, people who are, you know, moderating it to some degree. But when you started, was it you alone or did you have some people with you? Um, no, I had, I mean, there were, I had a pretty good network of folks that um, were involved and it started very small as a few people. and it grew over time. I mean, it's, 
if I look at a year, any given year, the number of people who are actively involved from a daily or a monthly perspective, you know, swings in the thousands. So it's, you know, maybe there's a hundred people who are active every month or, or 200 people, which is still a lot, but then you get around kind of conference time. Now you're talking about thousands of people who are, are involved. And so it's, um, you know, every little person who gets involved then starts to kind of open their arms to other people and, and slowly it, it kind of grows, but it, it certainly takes patience. And I wouldn't say, you know, we have it quote unquote figured out. Um, but you know, we just try to do good and everybody who's part of it tries to do good and open the arms for everybody else. How long ago did you start that conference? The company itself or the, the idea, if you will, started in 2010. Our first event was in 2012, and we just completed our 11th. So we're talking, what is that, 12 years from, you know, getting something branded, if you will, to where we are today. So long time. We've certainly been at it for, for quite a while. What was the kind of the the original impetus? Obviously, community, but there's more than one way to build a community. Or, or maybe ten, twelve years ago, was a conference the the key way to build community? Oh, that's a great question. I I don't know that a I think a conference was a way. Um, I don't know that it's a great way to start a community. I think it's a great way to have an activity in a community um, because it, it is a milestone, if you will, of of actions. Um, it's, uh, um, uh, it's, it's, I don't think there's the right answer. Um, it's the way we started it. Um, I don't, and I don't, and I don't think it was the right way to be quite hmm. honest. I think, I think there should have been a larger network of people, um, that could have had a larger groundswell, um, which would have helped other things kind of be a little bit easier to start. Um, but having said that, if you look back, I mean, here we are 12 years later. So even though I say maybe we started backwards, it still worked. Was it very local at first? Yes. Um, it was very, I would say it was hyper-local. And I'd probably say today our Wisconsin event is still pretty hyper-local. Um, and by hyper-local, I mean, we're talking four states, five states, you know, they're driving from a five mile radius or five mile, five hour radius, five mile would be super hyper-local. Um, so, uh, but people do fly in. That's not to say, you know, it's, it's doesn't include them. Obviously the things that are online are much further reaching than the people who are physically there. Um, now our Texas event, certainly people, it's a little easier to get to than the Wisconsin one. So we see more states um, involved than we do, um, or a, a larger diversity, if you will, across the U.S. You touched on it there. People that let's say flying in, a lot of conferences are for profit in one way or another, and they're able to pay expenses for um, speakers to fly in hotels thing like things like that is that something that you 
have is that something that your conference deals with or do you go more for the driving in the five hours home the same day so you're not faced with the same challenges um well that conference is a four-day event um and it is at a, a water park with a first class convention center so unique in that regards um we are also a not-for-profit so we do our best to keep the uh, finances and the tickets and everything we can as humanly low as possible but of course things like food and whatnot are super expensive um do we have budget for speakers we have some budget uh, we cover rooms and um, their tickets and tickets for their family and you know the things that come along with it as far as travel uh, we don't um, only because it's to do so we would have to drastically raise the flight uh, the cost of of the ticket so it's this balancing act of you know what can we give um and just uh, it's a balancing act between all the things you know the expenses of the event the the things that you have to pay for like production companies and and whatnot and how much can you you know pay people's rooms and all that to be to be there so um you know wisconsin was always hyper local texas with people flying in you know every year that's something we kind of reevaluate with um budgets and and whatnot and the last couple of years have been kind of a wreck with the pandemic and airfares and you know we'll see We'll see how the years kind of come ahead of us. When you decided to start that conference, um, what was your, what was the process to get it going from kind of the mechanics of finding a location, finding speakers, building trust, relationships, those kind of things? So the original idea when we started it was we wanted a, an, a polyglot event. We wanted, you know, everybody who was in a different community to come together and kind of share their superpower. And so you would have a, a broader, wider spectrum of things that you got to learn because you just weren't in those spots. And, and because of that, um, you know, that came about as, as a result of, I, I live in between Chicago and Milwaukee. There's a lot of things that happen. Uh, but there was never really a through line between uh, any of the communities. So I wanted to be the through line that connected connected folks. And so, you know, when we first started, we first started by, you know, what we do today. You go buy a domain name and, you know, you kind of hitch on to your domain and you have to make the domain real um, because there's nothing to really point people to. And, of course, we created a very unique domain, which is uh, not always understandable but um you know then we started to build the website out and of course to do that that means you then you know mechanically speaking you have to have a venue you have to sign contracts and as you start to go through that and you start to get a budget together you realize you have to have a company because contracts and in, in the hospitality space that's a whole nother podcast for another day but um, and you start to get into all those mechanics of, you know, what does it take? You need, you know, uh, projectors and screens and food. And, uh, you start to learn how a convention center works and how they, you know, um, not budget people, but, you know, make sure that the rooms are set up and all that kind of stuff in a certain way. And, 
um, you know, years down the line, you realize you became an event planner without even necessarily wanting to, um, because that's part of the gig, right? You have to, um, the unique thing about planning a conference is there's a date. You don't really get to deviate from the date. People are going to show up at the door. So you better be ready to go when people show up at the door. And that means all the things that come around that have to be there too. And there's, it's not really negotiable to say, eh, I can't do it today. I got to do it tomorrow because you've got contracts and all that. So you have to, you have to have your organization game on kind of full kilt. Otherwise it's not going to work out very well. So, so we started with the domain. We made a website. We started marketing, work with all the groups. And that took us a couple of years before our first event. And, uh, our first one, we had about 450 people. So, and that's, it's grown ever since. That very first one, prior to it occurring, obviously no one heard of that conference. No one, how did you attract speakers, attendees to something that it was the first one? Um, I went to every user group I could. I made every phone call I could. I spoke on every podcast I could. Um, you know, I was pretty involved in the community or surrounding communities. So, you know, I wasn't starting from necessarily scratch, but um, to have a community is to be present in one. And I, I would like to think that I'm as present as I can be given set amount of time. I'm probably less present now that I run one, but um, yeah. On the phone every day, uh, just trying to meet as many people, say hi, see how I could be of service to them, and um, try to get the word out. And the word was really organic. I mean, and it still is today. We don't have big marketing budgets where you can go buy ads and and all of that. It's uh, it's very much a uh, a grind of getting to meet everybody. Did you actively? pick a format for the conference? I mean, you know, speaking events, workshops, this kind of talk, that kind of talk, lightning, long, short, et cetera. Uh, yeah. I mean, we think of, we think of the format as behaviors. Um, you know, what, if you do a certain thing, what does that certain thing do? So um, we always have keynotes and a keynote every day. And the keynote for us is an opportunity to inspire people to kind of recenter them, right? We're getting everybody together at one time. We have an opportunity to, to give a, send a message. Um, and I, and I hope that people leave the conference recharged and ready to, um, kind of realize why they got in software development in the first place, because, you know, there's times where it's, it gets grueling, right? Long nights, long weekends. Um, so we want to kind of pull people back, recenter them. Um, I look at things like sessions and those are kind of eyes forward things. And those things you have the ability, um, everybody has something in common, which is you went to, you went to the event or you went to this, you went to the session. So the person next to you is interested either in the same talk topic or the same person. Right. And so you have an opportunity to say hi. And so, yeah, we did have, uh, we do, we do certain things that um, we hope bring the community closer together. Keynote sessions, networking events, longer time in between sessions, open spaces, um, a water park party, a hog roast. You know, these are all things that are super intentional 
to bring people, grow people, expose people to certain things. And, you know, over the years, we, we continue to refactor and reevaluate and say, what can we do that's better? What, you know, what didn't work or what's not working now or what could work better now? And, you know, try to change. You mentioned that it's a polyglot conference. Is that, I imagine some people would view that as a, a challenge for them to get a approval to attend. Let's say we work for a .NET company. I'm probably going, if I go to my manager and say, hey, I need to take a week off and spend thousands of dollars, and it's about 20% .NET. He may turn to me or she may turn to me and go, no, Brian, you know, if you're going to take that much time off, we want you to go to a .NET related conference. Is that... Is that a, a real concern or am I imagining it? No, that's a real concern. I mean, that's, that is a huge um, challenge that we, we face. Um, I mean, you hit it right on the head. You know, what, what are you, you know, when you're seeking budget from your boss, your boss is looking for some ROI. And unfortunately, that ROI typically tends to be, I'm educating you for a week. So you should be X percentage more productive when you return. And the reality is that's not necessarily going to happen at any conference, even if it was the one you went to unless, or one like a a niche conference, if you will. Um, Because unless you're like really focusing on one topic unless you're focusing on one topic, then, um, and you're really deep in that one topic for, you know, 12, 24, 48 hours, then, you know, what are you really bringing away? And so I, I liken the, the fact that we all have something to learn from somebody. Um, we all have something to learn from another stack um, architecture and things like that is very similar across stuff. And so, you know, we're constantly trying to get people to go to things that aren't what they do during the day because we feel like that makes them a better rounded person. Um, and it's the same, you know, we have a lot of soft skills stuff and, you know, does the manager approve of that, you know, is, is learning, learning how to deal with your dome and um, to be a better human at work, you know, is that important? Well, I mean, we can sit here and say yes, but if you look at it from, will you write more code as a result of it? Well, now we got to get an argument. Like, are we talking about the mechanics of writing code or are we talking about, you know, morale and all the stuff that comes along with it? So you're right. It is, it is certainly a a challenge um, and one that we'll fight and continue to fight. And we lose too. I mean, there are a lot of people who are like, they won't send their people or give them budget because of it. And it's unfortunate. Not to fo- I don't want to focus on the split of languages, but on, let's say, the tech versus non-tech, the, the tech versus soft skills. Sure. What kind of breakdown do you have there? Um, I have to do some quick math, but, you know, we typically have about 150 sessions that are selected of those 150 35 ish or so sessions are um, family sessions. So these are sessions that are presented by kids or spouses or not spouses, but they're, they're targeted at 
you know, the, the five to the 20, um, the other 125, if I'm doing my math right, are professional, you know, four of those would be keynotes. Um, and of that other 120, what we do after the open call is we try to break everything down into respective categories of what's been given. Um, soft skills is probably the highest submitted thing that we get every year, which is a surprise. Um, and we usually take, you know, it, it, it varies year to year. Maybe we take 10, 15 sessions, you know, there'd be, uh, maybe one, a time slot for, you know, the duration of the three days or four days. So it fluctuates a little bit, but you know, that's 10% or so 15%. Good the, but what I find with my podcast, uh, I have a split between tech and, um, let's say career and then mental health, physical health, fewer on the mental and physical health, but you know, enough that I think it's a value. And also what I have found is those ones have tended to be the ones I've enjoyed the most. So there was one on repetitive strain injury that I loved making and I hope has helped people. And then a, a more recent one was on uh, ADHD with Mads Torgerson at Microsoft, where yep. it was his first time speaking publicly about ADHD. And both of us have received lovely emails and comments thanking us for making it and people saying they're going to go and try and get diagnosed or they say that they're struggling with it. And it's great to hear that someone else uh, is talking about it. So, you know, it's, even though I love talking about the C-sharp compiler too, it's the, it's the non-tech ones are, tend to be my favorites. Uh, I mean, I'd be the first to admit that the non-tech ones are my favorite. Um, the non-tech ones are the ones that always change somebody's life. I, yes. I get, uh, every year I'll get, I'll get countless things where people will, will send the thing to us or tell me or pull me to the side and say how it's changed your career, changed your relationship. It's changed your thing. Um, I think it's wonderful that, you know, we sit here and share things like ADHD and, um, uh, OCD and I've got all the D's like, I didn't know that when I got in this career, but I know that now. And if it wasn't for sharing and being vulnerable you know within our own community i don't i don't know that i would have known that and knowing that makes me a better human a better developer you know as a result of it so those are some of the stories we tell you know when you asked the question before about you know is it the is it the dot net thing boss can i get approval it's kind of like is it the human thing that makes me better and um you know, people will say they don't want the soft skills, but quite honestly, I, I, they're always well attended. Yeah. You know, I, I've said this I, I, to other people that, you know, the biggest part of software is people. We build software for other people, designed by people, working with people. You know, there's, there's far more. Th moving parts that are people than software or hardware. And there's far more that goes wrong in the interpersonal relationships than there are again in the hardware yep. or the software. I mean, you have to ask yourself why, what is software? I mean, people get very kind of, uh, 
you know, chest pumping about the right way to do something. And I always have fun with it. It's like the right way is shipping. Um, because if software doesn't ship then it's not making any money, but the reality is software is there to make computers do stuff. That's, that's the point. And, you know, it's about scaling, scaling ourselves. And if you can't communicate and you can't think about your customer and you get, you kind of broke down and all that stuff, then yeah, it just, it kind of falls apart and the language is irrelevant. Right. You can do all the same things in all the languages. Who cares? But then we get into other fun conversations about my CEO or CTO pick this thing because that's the thing we're going to use. And maybe, you know, maybe it was the right tool. Maybe it wasn't. Maybe it doesn't matter. You know, that context is, um, that context is important. Going to change topic a little bit for people that attend the likes of that conference or conferences in general, what kind of advice would you give people to get the most out of a conference? Yeah. I mean, I, I always tell folks that, you know, the conference really should start long before you actually physically get there, get to meet people, look at the schedule, reach out to people, understand who you're going to meet, um, be intentional about your interactions and your time there. It's, you know, the adage of you get what you put into it out of it um, is very true, right? Nobody's going to help you um, go around and meet people. Um, you've got to be that kind of vulnerable person to um, uh, reach your hand out and say hi, if you will. I think what you'll find is people are super willing to help one another. And I know that it's scary. I, I get scared doing all that stuff as well. Um, but, you know, really being active and involved and, you know, getting outside of your comfort zone, sitting at a different table for every meal, um, saying hi to the person next to you, um, just striking up conversations. I was, I, uh, I tend to, I try to meet everybody when people are checking in. and. I was going through this year and I was going through and I was just, Hey, where do you work? Where do you live? What not? And this person, first person lived, worked at company A, doesn't matter. Second person. Hey, where do you live? Where do you work? Oh, I work at company A. I was like, Oh, Hey, do you, do you know, you know, this person? He's like, no, I didn't even know he worked at company A. And I was like, Oh, let me introduce you to this person. You both work at the same company. Um, and you know, you would think that that stuff doesn't happen, but you know, here are these two people who don't know one another and didn't say hi to one another. And yet they work at the same company. Um, so there's, um, um, it does require work. It does require being a little vulnerable, but, um, ask the people that are around you for help and meet them. And you'd be surprised how many people really want to help. Yeah, I agree with you on being intentional. Uh, a few years ago, I was attending a conference um, and I was going to be there for the, the workshop ahead of it. And I kind of vaguely knew one of the, um, the the presenters of that workshop. So I emailed him a week before and said, hey, I'm going to be in town the night before we get a beer. And he said, yeah, sure. So then I got to, to got to the city, texted him. He was in the basement bar with two other people. And, you know, that was 
that was the first night and then it grows from there i know i happened to stay at the main even though i was attending that conference i stayed at the main con the main conference hotel so i got to meet a lot of the people now to be fair i did have a relationship with a lot of them through the podcast so it does make it easier but you still have to take that intentional step of going from seeing a person across a computer screen to saying hey let's meet and shake hands and have a beer back in the days when it was much easier yeah i i yeah and it's people are are people are nice you know it is you may think that these people don't have time or they're untouchable i I don't know what the right kind of adage to put there is but i bet any speaker that's out there and you wanted to speak to now i guess you know okay if we're talking about a guy theory or one of those you know big time people it's a different story but you know a community conference you know even a, a larger one everybody wants to share what they're doing and help you meet one another but you know recognize their time and to your point you know about intentionality you know know what you're going to do know what you're going to ask you know be be flexible with what uh you want to do and realize you know they're giving their time as well and that does not necessarily the just the speaker but everybody who's around one of the things i always tell folks is every one of the people who are at the conference is a speaker not you know a few got selected and were given a podium but everybody who's there has something of value they just didn't get selected maybe or didn't submit or want to be want to be you know an attendee versus want to be a speaker yeah uh, you you touched on the thing there even though these speakers as you say may be on pedestals they all would struggle with different parts of technology too or with maybe parts of presenting there's a a friend of mine who um, exceptional at what he does but then he looks at me and looks at the ease with which i can host a podcast or present a, uh, a a talk or something like that and he goes i wish i could do that right you know everyone has their own challenges and everyone you know they've had to work to get to where they are um and it's it's not it's something may be easy for them but not everything is easy for them and something might be easy for you and that you know people miss that you to your point of the pedestal it's it's so easy go oh they're selected they're at this conference that conference the other conference yep just not the case yeah don't don't make up a narrative that you know you don't know to be true for people that let's say want to get involved with the likes of that conference or the general your, your broader community how would they reach out to you and your community um you know i'd like to think we're pretty pretty findable searchable but uh maybe not um you know the easiest places to go to that.us you know we um we have a slack group you can go create a profile um obviously we have the the conferences themselves um we one of the things that we did when the pandemic hit was i i was looking for a window of time where i could try to connect the community every day of the year so in your mind if you think meetup meets slack meets twitch meets um uh, zoom we created this notion to have an open space 
globally. And an open space is this concept that we do inside a conference where you can ask for help, you can suggest a topic. Essentially what you say is, I'm looking for, let's say, help on how to build the most kick-ass paper airplane. And I wanna talk about that at one o'clock on Monday in circle 16. And we just have these you know, circles around, it's nothing but chairs. And anybody who's interested can show up at that time and talk about paper airplanes. The conversation's completely unstructured. There is no, um, you know, the people who show up are the right people. As long as it takes to have the conversation is the right amount of time. And the conversation is meant to meander for the people that are there. And so um, it's very interactive. It's very, um, it can be very personal and, and vulnerable. It can be very, you know, you could be sharing screens and doing code. Like I do, I do uh, our office hours. In fact, right before we started recording tonight, I had an office hour um, to help people, you know, um, work on their abstracts and just be a, a sounding board, a rubber duck, if you will. Um, and so we built that.us to really facilitate this notion of open spaces, but globally, you know, how can you, how can you get a different level of help than you do today? And it happens to be the same thing that we use, uh, to run the conference and do all the scheduling and all that kind of stuff. But, um, you know, go to that.us, go to thatconference.com If you want to see the events and then your profile, you can get in our Slack group. There's, you know, thousands of people in there and there's always something going on um, around it. And we're always hosting. In fact, we have a, an event on September 15th that uh, anybody can join. It's free. Um, we'll have some, some updates to the website here, maybe tonight, later tonight, tomorrow, and to make it easier, but um, free event for all to, to come and add sessions and join in uh, to the things that are there. So it's always stuff going on. I think, uh, am I correct that you have mentoring as one of the available services? Uh, well, yeah, I'm, I, anybody who wants help, I don't care if you want to speak, you know, at that conference or not, we're, we're, I'm always there to help people, um, get better at what they're doing. You know, I have the privilege of seeing, um, I don't know, probably seen seven, 8,000 abstracts over 12 years. So a pretty good idea of what's good and not good. And, you know, if you don't want to be mentored on how to speak, but want to be mentored in another way, you know, career coach, there's somebody there that, you know, would be more than willing to kind of help, help everybody grow. So whether it's me or somebody in the community kind of depends on what you're looking for. What are the deadlines for submissions for that conference in January? Is that the next big conference? Next one's, yep, next one's in January in Texas. Uh, right now, the call for, for papers or speakers or abstracts, whatever you want to call them, is open till October 1st. Um, I'm having an office hours every week where we talk about it. Um, plenty, of, um, plenty of time, plenty of, uh, of things to do. You just go to that.us, create a profile. Hit the plus button. You'll see the you'll see the uh, event listed there and um, everything that we asked to to submit one. So plenty of time, and then we'll open back up in January for the Wisconsin event. So there's there's kind of this this train of 
activity that happens between the two events since they're almost exactly you know five and a half ish months apart you know when you finish one you're about to start the next one so good any final notes sorry 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 go ahead clark i just say good bad or indifferent i don't know it's a it's a busy keeps you going i imagine yeah any final notes before we wrap up for the evening you know i I would say to folks, you know, just get involved, whether, whether it's, you know, that, that us, or, um, I just, just get involved, go find your tribe, you know, don't, don't feel like you have to have one community. You can have multiples. Um, you can, you know, maybe you like to geek out with some, some folks that you were mentioning, you know, the compiler, you know, maybe you have your compiler friends and then you have your, um, you know, friends about mental health and, uh, the two don't have to be equal. And I think, uh, that's just fine. And if something's not working, you know, get out of it, but don't be afraid to be a little vulnerable. Don't be afraid to, to find new people, but I would say, reach out. You know, a lot of people have their hands out trying to help. And I know, you know, somebody like me, um, you'd be surprised how many people are think that, you know, we're lying or not there. They just don't, don't really, really realize that there are, there's that many people who are trying to be altruistic and really see people grow. So just get involved, have fun with it. Go get your support group. Well, Clark, so thank you very much for your time this evening. Thank you, Brian. Thank you for having me on. It's been very wonderful welcome. to chat. If you like this episode, you might also like episode 143 with Dylan Beatty about tech conferences early in the coronavirus, episode 129 with Laurie Barth about speaking at conferences, or episode 90 with Sheshji Sandberg and Charlotte Ling about the Norwegian developer conferences.
The opening music was returned by Nisi23 from the album 11 and 12, and the closing music was Frizz by Ketza from the album Correspondence.